Hi, everyone. Welcome to Parenting Portal. My name is Joanna Port. I am a mom of four to Zoe, Levi, Ruby, and Ray, and I am the director at Crestwood Hills Preschool in Los Angeles. This podcast is a guided discussion between me and an expert in the field of parenting. This episode is called Raising Kids in a Media World, and I'm sitting here with Ravita Bowers. We need to fire up that kid's imagination and give them some appropriate tools. Music is a wonderful way to open the eyes of children and open up the world. The frequent flyers in the school infirmary don't need everyday access to the school phone. Ravita retired in 2016 after 40 years as the head of school at the Center for Early Education in Los Angeles. She attended USC where she received her Bachelor of Arts in Humanities and a graduate degree in developmental psychology, as well as three teaching credentials. Ravita has been the lead faculty member at the National Association of Independent Schools Institute for New Heads, where she taught more than 700 NAIS heads of school. Ravita has served and continues to serve on many boards. Currently, she is national chair of the Common Sense Media Board of Directors and chair of the Board of Counselors at the Rossier Graduate School of Education at USC. Ravita is serving on the boards of Teachers College, Columbia, the Stepping Stones Fund, the E.E. Ford Foundation, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, and as a corporate outside director of Activision Blizzard. Upon her retirement from the Center for Early Education, Ravita began coaching institutional leaders and consulting with for-profits, colleges, school boards, and nonprofit organizations on issues of governance and governance best practices. So today we're going to talk about media. Big, big topic. So Ravita, I often get questions about screen time almost every week, I would say, in, in my community. The big question I have is, how do we make kids comfortable in an increasingly media-driven environment? Well, the first thing I'd say is media is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And media is not the enemy. Because media used in the right ways can be a powerful motivator and a powerful teacher. We use it every day. As soon as that smartphone came into being in 2004, we were all walking around with some of the most powerful media in the world, in our purses, in our pockets, and in our hands. It changed everything. It changed everything. Everybody's walking around these days with their own personal computer, and it's small. But I think it's important to understand that we need to be developmentally savvy and smart about how we introduce media into the lives, particularly of young children. For example, you have a young child, let's say a two or three-year-old in your home. One of the best ways to introduce them to media is to FaceTime with relatives or friends who are far away. You want their first experiences with media to be positive and to have real purpose and a positive purpose. So that's a wonderful way to introduce young kids to media. But don't start putting a smartphone in the hands of young children as a pacifier. Uh They're already going to be exposed passively to media, just walking through a room where a television set is on, Mm. sitting in the backseat of a car in a car seat and hearing breaking news come across the radio. 
So they're constantly surrounded by media. And now there are wonderful movies and films that are geared at young children and television programs that are geared at young children. So I don't want you to think I'm anti-media. I'm not. But I think parents need to watch media with young children so that they can encourage their language and so that they can ask questions about what happened when that door slammed? Mm-hmm. Did that scare you? Do you think it scared the other person on the other side of that door? To really question what children are beginning to understand as they're exposed to media. And if they're picking up the wrong messages, you have the opportunity while they're still fresh in a child's mind to correct them. I mean, and- I'm sort of hearing what you're saying is, don't fight it. It's here. It, so instead it's not of that, going away. No. So instead of resisting and being anxious about it, in a way, embrace it and say, I've got to be involved. Make it your it. teaching partner. Make it your teaching partner. Make it your teaching partner. You know, we live in a gig economy and a highly technologically advanced world. Mm-hmm. And the speed with which new media is coming into the marketplace is extraordinary. In terms of there's something new almost every day. But I think you want to also be careful about privacy issues. Okay. Don't start putting your children, your young children's pictures up on YouTube. You have no control over what someone does with a video of your child. Mm -hmm. So you want to protect them Mm -hmm. and you want to educate them early on about what being a good digital citizen means. Mm -hmm. Common Sense now has digital citizenship curriculum and programs for schools K through 12 nationally. Okay. They're free. And educators all over the country in more than 120,000 schools are using Common Sense's uh, platforms, their website, which is wonderful. So I want to just... Introduce that. I was introduced to Common Sense Media app years ago when Mm -hmm. my kids were little, and I use it all the time. Mm -hmm. I still use it. My teenagers use it all the time themselves. Can you explain to the listener what Common Sense Media is? So Common Sense Media is a nonprofit organization, a national organization now. Our headquarters is in San Francisco. We have three main missions at Common Sense. We rate media. We educate around issues of media, and we advocate actively for and on behalf of children and families and schools who are involved with media. So, for example, one of the things that we have been very active in California advocating for are better privacy laws that protect families and protect students and protect teachers and protect kids as they go on and use media to keep people from collecting data as part of their media use. So that's a big push for us. Mm -hmm. I bet not many of your listeners know that California is one of only few states in the country that passed an eraser law, which means that your child, when they are turning 18, has the right to go to any company that has ever that they have ever used with respect to media and asked to have it erased. Oh. And it has to be done. Oh. So the kids and kids make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Young kids make mistakes. Older kids make mistakes. 
teenagers, it's part of their lives to make mistakes. Yes. They can be forgiven for the mistakes they make, but they can also have them erased before they become adults. That's fantastic. And one of the things that we know is that kids learn from the mistakes they make. Mm -hmm. And so they shouldn't go out and intentionally try and make them. But if they do make them, they're wonderful, teachable moments for schools and for parents to engage with kids around. So what else does Common Sense Media have for listeners? So we rate all kinds of media, movies, games, apps, television programs, all kinds of things that kids interact with. And then... Are they rated by the people who work there or like parents? We have professional raters. Okay. And they're overseen by the Common Sense Media staff. Okay. And we get professionals in the field who are experts in child development, what's appropriate for different ages of kids to see or interact with. You know, one of the things I would love to remind your users is that the social media platforms that are so attractive today have rules that kids under the age of 13 are forbidden from being on them. So when parents are helping their children enroll on their social media sites, they're really breaking some very important rules because developmentally, they're not ready to be in that kind of freewheeling environment where they can post pictures and have conversations and, you know, set the privacy settings differently, depending on who they they're talking know. to. Yeah. They don't know enough. Yeah. They and know. they think they know enough. Mm-hmm. And in a world where kids know a little bit about a lot of things mm-hmm. because of their exposure to media and all kinds of things, we need to be more cautious about setting media rules in our family. Mm-hmm. I found the app so helpful when I was looking when my kids were little mm-hmm. I'm looking for a TV show or a movie and mm-hmm. it would tell the age and then, then it would tell why right why it's eight or ten or four right. right and it would actually give specifics and it was like oh that makes sense and we're not so smart trying to stop in and be parents no you're just we're a- just trying to give you enough information to make a parental decision for your child. Yeah. And often with your child. Families that have media plans in their family, the kids will go on the website themselves to look before they ask, because they know their parents are going to check, before they ask to go see a movie or before they ask to watch a TV show or an app or a game or something else. They're looking at what the ratings say. Yeah. And developing their own arguments about why they should Mm -hmm. in response to what parents will set as media limits for their own children. Mm -hmm. So each family needs a media plan. How much television are you going to allow your children to see? Yeah. How much screen time? The other thing that uh, Common Sense Media does in coordination with some of the best colleges and universities in the country is major research reports. What are we learning about children zero to eight? What are we learning about kids' media use? What are we learning about how kids feel about the news and what they're hearing on the news and how they access the news? Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways in which kids and families are using media And is it appropriate and is it safe? 
So a media plan needs to be developed in families, and it needs to be developed taking into consideration the different ages of the kids in the family. And remember that for young children in particular, Mm -hmm. and even for older kids, there are parental controls that you can put in place on the devices to make sure that at least while they're using the devices you're providing, Mm -hmm. they're not going certain places or doing certain things. So it's a good idea to sit down with your partner and come up with a plan Absolutely. Even when they're born. Right and when they're I'm born. I'm a big believer in contracts with okay. kids. Okay. You know, I think kids should have chores. I think kids should have free time. And I think media is one of the best ways to play with kids. But I think we also need to encourage our kids to get outside, to play, to play in the house, to learn that you can always do something about your own boredom and you're in charge of your boredom. Mm-hmm. So learn to find ways to fix it yourself instead of complaining to adults or older brothers and sisters about being bored. When a kid comes, a little kid comes to you and says, I'm bored, what do you think about that? I think, you know what? (laughs) We need to fire up that kid's imagination Uh and give them some appropriate tools, some crayons, some markers, some balls, some games. You know, turning off media sometimes gives us the opportunity to teach the kinds of games that their grandparents and their parents grew up playing and loved. Mm -hmm. So having game nights in families, having movie nights. Mm-hmm. in families where they can plan a movie and a special meal and look at something that the whole family can look at together. And oftentimes, you have those wonderful nostalgic moments when you're looking at an old movie that your parents saw as children mm-hmm. that have become movie classics and are still good for ages and stages to see. I mean, I always say screen time can be so bonding. Oh, and you, you just have to sit and engage. Absolutely. And, instead of using it as a babysitter, use it absolutely. as a, like a fun thing. For and the there family. are wonderful games yeah. and apps the and apps, things there are a lot of good through apps. media yeah. and through technology that your kids are being introduced to in school as well as at home. Yeah. So when you, you ask your kids when they come home, what did you do today? Don't start with that question. Mm -hmm. Tell your kids what you did today. And then say, you know, I was on media and I saw an app or I saw a game. Do you want to see it? Let's look at it. Did you play any games at school today? Did you play some outside games, Uh some games in PE, some games in the classroom? Let's explore some games. Maybe we can learn some new games together. Because there are wonderful opportunities to do things with kids using media, using technology, and using some of the games that are available to them. What is the research now for zero to eight? What are they, what are they researching? Do you know like what they're? Absolutely. They're looking at screen time and some of the latest research is telling Mm -hmm. us that kids aren't using one kind of screen. Uh They're spending time on every kind of screen available. So if there's a television in the house, they're spending time on iPhones. They're spending time on iPads, on desktops. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, one of the things that we laugh about with teenagers is they'll have three different screens going as they're doing their homework Mine at do night. It. I know. Okay. And, I and we go, know that yeah. there's no such thing as multitasking. There really isn't. <laughs> Even adults who claim to be good at doing two things at once True. are really concentrating on one of those two things. In that but moment, yeah. 
I think it's important that we understand that you can take away one kind of screen, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of different screen opportunities, and kids are using all of them. Mm-hmm. It's true. And with kids maybe zero to five, do you have advice about how much screen time is okay and how much is not? I think it depends on the child. Mm-hmm. And I think it all do- so depends on the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that working parents, and you know what, even parents who don't work outside the home are working in the home. Yeah. And they're volunteering, thank goodness. <laughs> and they're politically active, thank goodness. <laughs> and so they, we all lead busier lives than we thought we were going to live. And so I think it's important to understand how much time you have to interact with your children Mm -hmm. and then to set some appropriate limits based on what you believe their attention span is Mm -hmm. and what you believe the appropriate content is. The content is important. The content is extraordinarily important. You know what? One of the reasons that there's been so much focus on Mr. Rogers and the years of his programming on television was that he became a partner in educating not only parents, but kids of all ages. And one of the things that we remembered about his tutelage and what children learned from Sesame Street and Nickelodeon and the other wonderful programming that's still out there for children is that there were concepts being taught. But it was also important to then reinforce those concepts, which is why it's important to watch with young children to see what they're learning. I remember because some learning. of the program yeah. isn't as good as some of the other programming that's out there. So you've got to really be selective. You wouldn't let your child eat all kinds of foods. Right. You wouldn't let them go all kinds of places unsupervised. Why would you let them explore media by themselves? Yeah. So just monitoring and being on top of it from early on. Yeah. And there are things for parents to mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember Mr. Rogers teaching so much to young children through music. And music is a wonderful way to open the eyes of children and open up the world, mm-hmm. learning, learning songs and be- beginning to develop and train their ear about nuances and differences in sounds and tones. Mm-hmm. So it's such a good point. There's so much positive stuff. Absolutely. I always say to them the very same, my, my parents that a little bit is okay. Yeah. A lot, a lot is not. No. So you, it has to be a contract, a family discussion that makes sense to you and your partner. And could it look like a show in the morning and a show at night? I'm saying for young, young For kids. young children, think about media as a candy bowl. Right, a like bowl full a of little candy. Bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. A little bit's okay. It Even is. for children whose parents are really, really monitoring their sugar. Because when you deny completely, yeah. oh my goodness, I've seen kids that would have mugged somebody from an Oreo <laughs> because their parents didn't yeah. want to have any sugar. The same is true of media. If we're too forbidding and don't make media a partner in the education of our children, we're going to find they're going to sneak to see it. They're going to be going into friends' homes where there aren't media plans and media contracts and media rules, and they're going to be seeing a lot worse than what you might allow them to see Mm -hmm. in your own home or in your school. 
Mm-hmm. They want it more because they yeah. can't have it. Right. I totally have seen that happen. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The other thing that I think about with this, you know, with parents is the modeling mm-hmm. question because so many of us are addicted to our devices. Well, they were intended to be addicted. Uh, That's the other thing we have to remember. Yeah, These games, these programs, these apps, these devices Mm -hmm. were engineered understanding what stimulus and response look like Uh and how to tap into not only our sensibilities, but what was colorful, what was exciting, how often we could hear something and begin to retain it. Uh So they were designed to be addictive. They were designed in some cases to invade our privacy so that they can keep their advertisers and keep advertising. And draw you in. And draw you in. So understanding that, it's very important that we restrict ourselves to a diet of media that's going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And kids don't have that innate ability. They no. need their parents yeah. to do that, right. to provide the limits and the structure, because yeah. they cannot do it on their own. Right. And kids need to be active. Mm-hmm. And often media allows us to sit passively for long periods of mm-hmm. time. So we need to really encourage. Use that media on a Fitbit to encourage kids to walk, to run, to do sit-ups, to do yoga, to do all kinds of things, to meditate, to be more mindful about not only their minds, but their bodies. Yeah, I like that. And so kind of balancing it, just make sure. Those are the positive uses of media. Yeah, yeah. And technology. Yeah, and make sure it's more balanced Uh day instead of... And I think thoughtful contracts, particularly Mm -hmm. as you're giving children their first smartphone, are really important. Is there it's, an age that you recommend or don't recommend for I think it a depends phone? on where children are uh-huh. in their schooling and in their lives. I know that parents feel safer having children going into middle school have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Now, some kids are too young to be responsible. So you're making two decisions about their autonomy and their independence but also their responsibility for what in some cases are very expensive devices. Yes. So what are they ready for? Mm-hmm. You know, I know some parents still give their kids uh, phones that don't have all the bells and whistles. Right. And that's perfectly appropriate for a first tone. Or they're passing phones down in families rather than something new. Right. I bet you not everybody buys their 16-year-old a new car. So why does every child who's ready for a phone need a brand new expensive phone? Mm -hmm. And it can be pared down to just... Oh, it can be a flip phone. They're still making flip phones. Yeah, or just for calls. Absolutely. And having a contract that says when you can or cannot use the phone, because most schools are really restricting its use. And I used to say to parents, listen, the kids here are 2 to 12. If I find a smartphone, I'm keeping it and not giving it back. During the day. So if you want your child to have a smartphone, if I see it during the school day, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because it's like sending your child to school with a weapon. 
Okay. Uh-huh. It's, it does not belong in school. And if they need to make us a call, there are so many adults who will help them make that call during the school day and make sure it's for an appropriate reason. Yeah. They really don't need it at you all. Know, the frequent flyers in the school infirmary don't need everyday <laughs> access to the yes. school phone. Yes. Uh, they can do that. Nor old- do the kids who are trying to avoid a math test. <laughs> right. They can do the old-fashioned way and go to the office and yes. use the phone in the office yes. with the office lady. Yes. Or their teacher can send an email. Right. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. I know for me personally, my kids started walking to school in fifth grade mm-hmm. on their own. Right. And that's when we gave them a phone. And that makes sense. Because it felt... You want them to have yeah. something in case of an emergency. They were, you know, 10 or 11 or 12. They had friends that didn't have phones. Uh-huh. And then they had friends who did, but that was a family choice. But don't make the choice based on what other people have, because their life circumstances may be very, very different. My 12-year-old grandson takes the bus from Encino to school in Westwood. Yeah. Okay? So when he started taking that bus in sixth grade, he needed a phone. Yeah. He needed a phone. But he also has a two-page contract about uh-huh. when he can use that phone and what will happen if he loses it. So you probably have to sit down as a family and talk about media at many, many stages through yeah. parenthood, not just once oh, or no. not just when they're 12. And those and contracts are going to get yeah. revised over time yeah. as kids become more responsible yeah. and as they become early, uh, older and as they have uses for phones that are tied to educational purposes or uses to devices that are tied to their schools. And middle school and high school is all on the computer now. I mean, their books. They're Much this, of what yeah. they need to survive in school, they can get online yeah. using devices. They don't necessarily all need portable devices, yeah. but they're all going to need access to a desktop or some kind of a device, whether it's in our homes or whether it's in a library or whether it's in a computer center at school. Because the other thing we have to remember is that we live in a diverse society. Not everyone can afford the kinds of media that kids are going to need in schools. And we have to remember that as well. And different cultures are more sensitive and more conservative about media than other cultures. Mm -hmm. And so when your children are going off with their diverse friends to play groups and play dates, much of the decision around what goes on in families' homes are Mm values-based and have to do with what they believe is culturally appropriate for their children and their family as well. Mm -hmm. What are some good rules for parents, young parents that around, like for example, I tell some of my families, you know, we do not have screens at the dinner table. Ever. Absolutely. Like a rules like that. Device free meals. Meals. Device free. Device free, free meals. dinner. You gotta start that early too. Absolutely. <laughs> it's particularly important yes. because you know what? We don't want children growing up seeing the top of adults' heads. It's happening. Or a each lot other. Now. And I know. it's happening a lot. And one of the things I've noticed is as a driver, I have to be careful really watchful of people walking down the street, not paying any attention to traffic, to scooter riders, to bike riders, to cars, to trucks, you know, crossing 
streets in crosswalks on uneven sidewalks because they're down looking at a cell phone. And we know that orthopedists are warning now Mm -hmm. that people that are looking down at these devices, it's changing their skeletal structure over Mm -hmm. time. So we want to make sure that kids continue to have good posture. Mm-hmm. And that they don't have health issues later on because they've spent their lives looking down at a device. There's a lot to look at when you look up. It's uh, challenging. It is. Figure. And I think it's so good to sit down and have these rules in place before it happens in the moment. Absolutely. So like, you know. Kids should not be taking devices into yeah. their bedrooms right? at night. Bedrooms at night. They should be silenced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that you don't get restful sleep if there are too many lights. Mm -hmm. So if you've got screens that are dinging and lights are coming on as messages are coming in, we need to control the hours that messages come in on our phone Mm -hmm. and have some waking times and some sleeping times for the devices in our lives so that the adults get restful sleep too. Yeah. And that has to be all set yeah. Before it is Absolutely. in the moment. And uh-huh. can be modified. And we know that there are times with young children when they do have to be on screens, mm-hmm. when you can reset the color to grayscale uh-huh. so that they're not constantly being bombarded with the colors and the the speed of the images. And so that mm-hmm. they learn to concentrate better uh-huh. and are not tied and only stimulated when they see things in bright colors. Uh-huh. The other thing we need to do is remember that as we're introducing balanced literacy in schools, that doesn't mean that you read everything on a screen. Mm -hmm. We still need to turn the pages of books Mm -hmm. and magazines and periodicals and papers. We need to give children opportunities to read things that are in print, not just on screens. And some of the research that we've done have discovered that kids, older kids in high school and in college, say they learn and retain better when it's in print. Oh, really? They're saying that? Than on screens. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. More and more research will come out about that. And that's not surprising, given that we all have differences in how we learn. So true. I always tell parents... Read in front of your children. Oh, and model appropriate behavior with screens. You know what? If you're saying awful things about people on social media platforms as an adult, how can you chastise your child for Mm -hmm. doing the same thing the moment they get on social media? Look at your privacy settings, people, and use them. Mm -hmm. It's so important. If you're using email and text, to bully other people or different platforms to bully, your children are going to grow up believing that that's okay and that they can say things about their classmates at school or use those devices to be exclusive as they're in group chats in ways that are so hurtful to the child that's not on. One of the things we've learned is that kids often don't like social media as much as you think they do, especially teenagers. But they're terrified not to be on it Mm -hmm. about what will be said about them if they're not. Mm -hmm. So they have this dual thing, like want to but don't want kind of thing. We've got to think think about the parameters and the big picture. 
Yeah. One of the things I tell my parents often is have a rule that when you walk into your home, you're not on your device. Exactly. Walk in without your device. So if you're on a phone call or an email, stay in the car, (laughs) finish your business and literally put it away. And And there are laws. It's such a little thing. About texting. You know, I was with a parent whose child was hit in a crosswalk with a car because the individual was on their phone and didn't see. They were looking down. Uh, And you know what? That's tragic. Yeah. That's just a tragic loss of life. Yeah. And so, you know what? We need to be mindful that the laws are there for a reason. They're not always convenient. Yeah. It's not always easy. But if you desperately need to make or take a call, pull over. In the car, it's so important to model yeah. early on, yeah. no touching. Make the call before yes. you take off, Yes, before you start the car. And figure out the and it GPS and the preachy music way before. No, and no, 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 it doesn't. judgmental and moralistic. But, but you know what? It's so important. It's a safety issue. Yeah, it is. It is. And especially when kids start to drive. Yeah. That's part of the contract. How your children are going to use media mm-hmm. behind the wheel of a car, mm-hmm. also. Yeah. And even if their passengers are using media and showing them things on a screen as they're driving. You're right. That is something to think about and talk about. Yeah. Just have a discussion about Rules it. of the road. It's so true. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about raising, you know, kids in this world of you know what? fast track media? Common sense media yeah. rates. It advocates, and I think one of the most important things it does is educate. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that we take advantage of the resources that are out there to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Common sense is one of them. So download that app today. Absolutely. Also, parents in schools need education about how to be good parents for media-savvy children. So we need to think about the professional development of teachers and faculty. Oh, yeah. Of the programs that we can bring into schools to educate parents, of the programs we can bring into schools. What are the media policies of schools like? Mm -hmm. What are they saying? How are we communicating using media with teachers in schools? Mm -hmm. Do they have policies that say you can expect a response to an email or text to your child's teacher within 24 hours because their job is to teach? not to sit and respond to the emails and the texts that sometimes bombard them Mm -hmm. every day. Give them some space and time. And schools need policies about how their faculty and how their staff interact with media as well. Has to be written down. Personnel policies. Personnel policies. Kids will want people to friend them. Mm -hmm that really can't mm-hmm. because of the their role in a student's life. Mm-hmm. This has been wonderful, Ravita. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Uh, I think it was full of great information, and I think everybody should use this Common Sense Media app because it's so helpful. I well, found. we're it's constantly changing. Uh-huh. It's constantly being updated about curriculum, about apps, about games, about TV shows, about movies. It's all donated money, funded by... It, it's funded, funded by, by donations yeah, yeah, from individuals. And one of the things that we're thinking about is a premium membership. 
very low-cost premium membership where we can push out certain information to you, some of the results of research studies. And we have premium memberships for schools that want them as well, which really will allow you to bring in speakers and experts in the field to come in and do parent education, to have access to certain publications and research reports and new updates in curriculum, and to really work with us to have digital citizenship be a priority in schools everywhere across America. So thank you for the time today. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us. If you have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at joanna at parentingportal.com. If you want to learn more about our experts or to schedule a consult with me or a speaking engagement, or you just have a parenting question you need answered, go to parentingportal.com. And remember, parenting is so, so hard. Give yourself a break. You're doing a great job. And do something for yourself today. Thank you.